Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. It's our Southridge member podcast. And uh, I'm here again this week after uh, a great Easter weekend with uh, our board chair, Joan Hyatt. Joan, how you doing these days? I am doing well, Jeff. How about you? Other than uh, tech glitches in online services, we're doing fantastic over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, talk a little bit about how you celebrated the Easter weekend. Uh, you know what? We celebrated it really quietly between um, pandemic things and just family being out and about kind of stretched in different directions. There wasn't a lot of connecting, um, but we did have the opportunity to go for a walk with a couple of folks from our life group. So that was nice. And um, we did have the opportunity to watch our granddaughter do her Easter egg hunt video. So that was good. Remote video of the Easter egg hunt. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two services. Good, good. Hey, uh, what, you know, for you these days, what does lockdown look like? Uh, personally, it's what it's been for, you know, pretty much the last 14 months. Professionally, um, I'm still able to do some work in my office. My college has agreed that we can continue to do that. So about 50% of my time is in my office and about 50% is on Zoom and um, had the opportunity, that would be my other Easter weekend opportunity was that on Friday I had my vaccination. So feeling a little bit more positive about that, that's a good thing. That's great. Two weeks, what yeah. was it, Friday is it? Yeah. So two weeks Friday and you'll be in uh, at least pretty good shape. That's great. Yeah. Um, any other third wave, third lockdown encouragements for people who are listening? <laughs> I think that the only thing that I would say is that I, you know, seriously hope people stay safe and kind of follow the directions that we've been given about spacing and trying to be positive in the middle of stuff that's not necessarily a lot of fun, but we need to be doing it. So let's make the best of it and do it well. As a, as a therapist, are you finding anything unique about this season of the pandemic from a mental health perspective? Oh, yeah. Um, we talk about something called COVID fatigue, and it is very real. People are um, tired and they're frustrated and, you know, kind of like small children when we get tired and frustrated, we're really pretty cranky. So there's a lot of frustration and anger going on that um, people are trying to manage People who have been depressed um, seem to be having to deal with more of that. Some folks who have never been depressed are finding out what that feels like. There's been a real increase. I read a report recently that said that um, there was a 40% increase in suicide attempts by teenagers. And that report came out of McMaster Hospital. That was last year, 40% increase. So. You know, it's it's um, hard and people are working really hard at being resilient. But for some folks, that's easier than for others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a challenge. And uh, just as a, a bit of a 
teaser next week on the podcast. Uh, we're going to dig into some of that and how we're, we, we've been navigating that as a church community. So uh, just a bit of a, a heads up for, for listeners on that. For today, uh, we want to dive into a, a discussion that I've had with you in this form, uh, this format before uh, regarding the governance role of our elders. So I'm just wondering, first things first, Joan, can you summarize that for us again? Um, the governance role is often described as guardrailing, Jeff. So it's kind of like our job isn't to drive the bus or to even necessarily steer the bus in a given direction, but it's to make sure that the bus stays on the road. And so we have oversight in a few areas, um, the spiritual, theological areas, the kind of legal implications for our church, certainly the financial piece that that um, we get to make sure that the church's finances are being stewarded in a really responsible, God-honoring way. Um, governance really is is about overseeing more than it is about doing. I would say before you were an elder, what did you think the role of an elder was? Hmm. I know this has been a journey for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had sat on other boards, but they were not governance boards. They were management boards. And so and what a management board means is that you get your hands really dirty um, doing, you know, day-to-day -day operational stuff. We were in a smaller church at that time. What I really thought being an elder um, at Southridge would mean would be attending a meeting occasionally and, you know, just being available to be helpful, which is not close to what it really is. Mm. Yeah, that you would be available to be involved in what leadership was doing as they needed your help. Yeah. As opposed to performing an entirely different task on behalf of God and the church to play these guardrail roles for leadership. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, the higher calling, the, the more, you know, we talk about um, a kind of authority and responsibility. And when you recognize that kind of in the, the way that we can describe elders as being over the staff um, in that drawing that we often do, the higher the responsibility or the higher the authority, the more responsibility. And I think that was my big learning was that there is a lot of responsibility attached to eldership. Yeah. And you're talking about just a few of the, the kind of theoretical aspects, the, the spiritual dynamics, the theological dynamics, legal, financial, and things like that. I mean, guardrails also play very practically in you know, abuse accusations or yeah. plan to protect policy or yeah. risk management on an initiative. Like there's a lot more, there, there's a lot more governance that applies to a lot more of the church than you would normally think, isn't there? Absolutely. And, you know, when I, again, I really thought eldering would be about going to, you know, a monthly meeting. 
And, and that would be maybe five hours a month of what we do. But when I look at typical month for me, I'm looking at between 15 and 25 hours a month. And so there's things like that, that often I don't think get discussed, like just meeting preparation and study. There's documents we need to read. We need to keep current on what people are learning and doing kind of just team-wide assigned reading to to catch up on things like the conversations we had not very long ago on the LGBTQ issue. Then we have to do kind of the emergency meetings that you were talking about, those things like helping do conflict resolution or in the case of an abuse allegation, we need to kind of get into that very quickly and very solidly. Um, and then there's just contact, right? We need to be in touch with the people in the church. We want feedback. We want ideas and concerns. And that's a role that the elders can play in, in very, you know, real time. And then there's kind of connecting to things like um, situational discussions outside of the church where with other churches or with other agencies where they just want to have conversations about what we're doing, how we're doing it. And not the least of which, Jeff, is kind of a daily ongoing prayer for the church, for the leaders, for our staff, and for the people who attend this church. That's our responsibility, too. So it's it's not... Um, yeah, it's a lot more all-consuming. Not short-on responsibility. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd want... Uh, listeners to know about the role of elder that they might not otherwise be aware of? I think those things. Um, the other thing that I think sometimes I hear people say, well, we don't even really know who the elders are. We don't really see the elders. And that would be true because our role isn't to be upfront. It's a very behind the scenes role. It's a role of supporting and caring Um People will have heard me say a number of times before, kind of we keep our ear to the ground to hear what's going on within the church, our ear to heaven to hear from God in terms of direction and our hand on the back of our staff. You know, we often say our back or our hand on your back. It's not just your back. It's supporting the people who are doing the real time work at Southbridge. Um. So let's shift gears then. And the reason we're having this conversation today is because we're launching another round of the eldership appointment process. Right. Because at the recent AGM, we announced that we were losing a couple elders. Mm -hmm. um, for people listening who aren't members who, or who weren't at the AGM, uh, can you just briefly kind of walk us through why these two transitions have happened? Sure. Um, Danderstein has been on our board for, I'm now I'm going to be able to be corrected, but I believe 17 years. And for Dan, he just felt it was time to step down and make space for some new, some new folks. Um, and Dan has worked really tirelessly for those 17 years. So we appreciate his time, but we also appreciate that it's okay for him to take a break and lead in other ways. Andrea um, Yego-Lynette has been on the board for about 24 months, and um, Andrea's son 
applied for a job at the shelter and was hired. And we found out that that happened kind of um, in, in a roundabout By accident. Way. Yeah, <laughs> a very roundabout way. But one of the things that is true for us, Jeff, is that you cannot be on the board um, if you have a family member who is on staff. It just is, is a conflict of interest or at least a perceived conflict of interest that's, that's a you know, challenge for us. And so Andrea had to make a decision um, either that we weren't going to be able to hire her son or that she was going to need to step off the board. And she did what all moms, I think, would do, which is she said, I will step down. Um, and so we've, we've lost two members of our board of eight. So we are now a board of six. Yeah, very different journeys and very different reasons. We're trying to be pretty transparent about that, so people don't think, "Oh man, did they get kicked out?" Or was there? Yeah, no, we don't. We don't kind of want people thinking something scandalous going on. Or no, no, nor do we want people feeling like they're leaving um, unhappily. And both Andrea and Dan have said that if anybody wanted to talk to them about that, they would be very open to that. Well, that was going to be kind of a follow up for me. Like, so what happens to these people, or you know, what happens? to people after eldership? Is there actually life after eldership? And, and you know, how can people access and leverage former elders? How, how, what role can former elders play? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Yes, there is life after eldership. And, um, you know, it would be a terrible shame to lose the wisdom and insight and special skills that these folks, I mean, they, they're on the board for a very good reason. They bring with them some talents and skills. We don't want to lose those. Um, I think it was the Apostle Paul who said, once an elder, always an elder. Um, eldership isn't kind of what we do, it's who we are. And while they won't be at meetings and they won't have some of the conversations and insights that would happen if you were actively on the board, they are still people who are very well connected and are wise and insightful. And we're going to continue to tap them for um just general information, just kind of, hey, what do you think about? Or we're going to be tapping them for some specialty things that that may come up where we need just to add some strength to the board. That's great. And if you're listening and you've got personal connection with either Dan or Andrea and, you know, are still curious about things that are going on in the church, feel free to reach out to them. And you know, even though they're not at the board table anymore, uh, they've been around it. They've been kind of, uh, as they say, b- behind the curtain and can articulate some of the thinking and values uh, of how we discern God's direction and, and process things. And so they could still be very, uh, very uh, helpful in their role in helping shepherd our church. So uh, let's let's make sure we lean into them in a way where there's life after eldership as well. Uh, Now, because of these transitions, uh, we're launching, as I said earlier, the eldership appointment process. This is a process that in our context lasts four months. Joan, walk us through these four months. Why is it four months? What happens in each of these four months? Orient those of us who are new to the process to to what goes on. Well, it's it's four months because it's a really serious and important process, and we want to give it a real, really thorough opportunity to to grow and, and develop the first month and and in this case 
the month of April, we will ask the entire community to pray, just seeking God's direction for, you know, perspective um, nominees. This is just a time for us to really search and reach out to God for kind of that discernment and that wisdom. And then for two weeks in May, um, early May, we will have two weeks of people being able to nominate. And then the following two weeks, so the last two weeks of May, would be an opportunity for someone who's nominated to respond. You know, if, if you're nominated and you need time to pray and to talk and to learn and to discern, that's those two weeks. And then for the month of June, there will be interviews and deliberations by our existing elder board. And at the end of that time, we will have a recommendation that we will bring to the membership. And ideally, Jeff, that will include two elders. When we lose two, we'd like to add back the number, but um, we will wait and see what that looks like. So that would be the month of June. And then in the month of July, after we've made our recommendations, the church will have a month to pray. And if a member were to know a reason why the recommended elder wouldn't be suitable, it gives them time to get feedback to us at the board. So that's what the process looks like. And, and again, the reason why that process takes as long as it does is because it needs to be thorough and it needs to be prayerful. And we don't take this lightly. It's a very responsible position and a really important role. And we want to know that we've done our very best in choosing. Yeah, I mean, for people who are listening to this the first time, two of the four months are, are just communal prayer. Yep. Right. Activating yep. our church family to pray for God's wisdom and discernment. Uh, and then the other two months, I mean, I've been through this a few times, so I'd speak to it. It, it can be a lot of work because if you get 20 nominees, absolutely. You know, you need two weeks to receive all these nominations. You need two weeks for all these nominees to respond. You need probably at least two weeks to conduct all these preliminary interviews. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. It is, it is a very busy four months, especially in the, the, the middle months, those two months, uh, less people think that we're just dragging this on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of at a, at a leisurely pace. Uh, it's not, it, it is, it is quite hopping in those in those four months, especially in the active two months, where uh, we're not just involving uh, everyone in prayer. So, uh, yeah. I guess in addition, I would just wonder, Joan, can you speak to any learnings or observations from you from your experience uh, yeah. that might be helpful yeah. for the membership to know as an insider on the process? Well, actually, as somebody who has in the past. Um, made a nomination, I've nominated someone to this type of role, I would want that two weeks to be prayerful and thoughtful um, because that too is a big responsibility. But as somebody who is nominated, I needed those two weeks to really consult with my own being and with God and with my family and um, with those around me who could be wise and give me their insights. So those those are important. And, and I would absolutely agree, Jeff, and I was talking about kind of extra meetings that happen in an elder role. This May, June time for us 
and there's six of us now. This May, June time is a very busy, very intense time. And as you might imagine, when you've got six people who are in this role who are busy being, trying to kind of wrestle down times for uh, the six of us and yourself and a nominee to meet is it becomes, yeah, it's big, it's daunting, but they're important. And, and we do them and we've been known to have second rounds of interviews and it just takes time. And we would want the membership to know that we take it very, very seriously. Yeah, so as of today, uh, we're sending an email out with some literature to the membership and wanted to supplement that with this podcast to have a bit more uh, conversation around the subject. Uh, but we're, we're launching into this now. And as people launch into this first month of prayer and begin to kind of hear from God and consider prospective elders to nominate, uh, got a couple questions for you. You mentioned earlier in the case of Andrea, that arm's length dynamic on the board. Uh, do you yeah. want to say anything more about that? Um, just that at this point, we are clear as a board that, um, we want to avoid the appearance or the real or perceived conflict of interest concern. And so as it stands, um, no person on the board can have an immediate family member on staff. An immediate family member would mean, you know, generation one. So you can't have a spouse or a son or a daughter or um, a mom or a dad. On, on staff if you want to be um, on the board. And again, it's just, it's not our effort to do anything except for be as kind of transparent as we can be and not have any conflict. As we've talked as a board, um, can you share some of the key like capacities or distinctives that we're looking for in candidates or, or even some of the diversity that we're looking to add to our eldership team right now? Sure. I mean, there's, there's a couple of pieces there. Um, Timothy writes about what kind of makes a good elder. So I can encourage people to take a look at that scripture and see what that is. But we have, as a board, tried really hard to pay attention to um, both loc like locational things. We were really excited when Rick and Andrea came onto the board because it was the first time that our well-end location had um, elders who were worshiping in that location. Um, and that's not to say that because I attend the Glenridge site that um, I'm only an elder for Glenridge because that's certainly not true. We're an elder for the entirety of Southridge. But it was really great to have somebody from the location. So we try and do that. We have um, been very deliberate and excited about the fact that we um, encourage women in leadership as equal parents in the parenting, kind of spiritual parenting role. And so... Um, that's important to us. We are aware of a need for diversity in many areas and want to include as many people and um, continue to do that. 
as, as we can. One of the things I would say, Jeff, is that I would want people to understand that elder is not about age. Um, currently, five of the six of us on this board are over 60. And it would be really great to have some people who are younger on the board, um, A, because there's going to be an attrition, um, but also because there's a diversity that comes with age. So while elder doesn't mean age, it does mean wisdom and maturity, um, but the more diversity we can have, I think the better it is. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what's your personal hope in this round of eldership appointment? Uh, are there characteristics that you're looking for or certain kinds of diversity, just anything that you haven't covered already? Um, I, I know that the research says that anytime we have 30% of females on the board, um, there's a truer sense of voice. So I'm, you know, I would be hopeful that we could maybe add to replace Andrea's role that we could add a female. Um, I love the idea that every location has an elder or some elders. Um, Rick's still down in Welland, so Welland is well, well supported. But again, that would be a good thing. And certainly, as we've talked um, through the the last little while about diversity and understanding some of the issues around the Indigenous and the Black Lives Matter situations and stuff, we have a pretty um, singular cultural board. Um, and that would be great if we could change that up a little. Yeah. It's not, not like you said earlier, it's not the most visibly prominent group, uh, but the voices around the table, uh, if we can diversify mean that there's going to be a greater diversity of voices that are shaping our community. So Absolutely. it's, uh, it's an influential table, even though it's not, a necessarily as, 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 visibly prominent. And so uh, we're going to keep that on our radar as well. Um, winding this up, Joan, I'm thinking about people listening and for members who would potentially nominate someone. What would you want to say to them to engage as many people as possible in the process? Well, again, at the risk of being redundant, I would want them to understand that this is a really important process and it's an important role that needs to be taken very seriously. So if you um, want to uh, kind of look around your circle of, of friends and people that you're, you know, kind of associated with at Southridge and, and start to ask yourself and, and kind of in prayer, ask God who those people might be, um, who you know, who might have those skills or bring that diversity to the board. That would be a, a really important thing. And for people who would be nominated, what I would say is, um, first of all, that's that's high, you know, that's highly complimentary. So be be honored by it. But consider stepping into it, even if you don't end up being the person who's chosen this round. Um, it's a great opportunity to learn some things about yourself. At least it was for me. And it's certainly a great opportunity to learn some of the kind of inner circle, inner workings of the church, as you say, behind the curtain. This is this is a look behind the curtain. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the number of elders who have ended up being elders on multiple rounds of nomination, mm -hmm. where it didn't necessarily work out for them the, the, the first round, but it awakened something in them. 
Yes. But then, you know, in subsequent years, they were way more conscious of in their spiritual growth and leadership development that translated into a, a greater degree of suitability at a, at a later time. And so, you know, I guess my encouragement would be, don't be afraid of it not working out. I remember we had a former elder who actually looked at it the opposite way and they said, hey, it, it's fine if it doesn't work out. They said, I just want to make sure that the leadership of the church is no worse than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love that attitude that said, hey, if it can be better or more suitable than me, great, but I want to, make, I want to do my part in making sure it's, it's, it's at least no worse than me. And, uh, you know, if we could kind of view it that way, uh, that would really be great. And, and I would say for those who uh, are considering participating by, by nominating people, not just praying, um, if you haven't received the package of information materials, then you can email Joan or myself and we'll get it to you uh, as soon as possible. So I want people to be informed and, and uh, prepared to be able to do that. Uh, Joan, any final challenges or encouragements to our membership and to our listeners when it comes to uh, adding to and building our board of elders for the future of our church? I would, I would want to echo what you have just said about encouraging people to be a part of either by kind of reading through the package and looking around and nominating someone you believe is, is called into that role or to be that person who's brave enough to say, I'm going to go and explore this um, because I have been nominated and to recognize that this is, um, and like we've said already, a really important responsibility and it's a really long process, but April has started and we need people to be praying as we begin this and throughout the time that we're in, in the middle of it. And hopefully by, you know, the 1st of July, we will be bringing you back names of people that we believe God has called to the board. Absolutely. It's game on everyone. Here we go. So the four months has begun. We're excited to see where God leads us. And uh, I want to say thanks in advance to all of you uh, who are going to so faithfully not just pray with us, but actively engage uh, in various ways throughout this process. We're excited to see how God's going to work. So thanks for joining us in this conversation. And we look forward to uh, tracking together again next week as we continue finding our way. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.